Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. I think I was wrong then about um, the path that inflation um, would take. As I mentioned, there have been unanticipated and large shocks to the economy that have boosted uh, energy and food prices and um, supply bottlenecks that have affected our economy badly that I didn't, at the time didn't fully understand. Yeah, and I just had a vision of a million voices crying out in, I told you so, across the frickin' universe. Yeah, that's right. <clears throat> that's Secretary Yellen saying that she didn't understand. She didn't. She just didn't fully anticipate what would happen when you just went on the money printer bandwagon and just never fall off of it. Oh my God! It's like everybody was saying. All the all the armchair quarterbacks are literally screaming right now. Why? Because we were right. You don't have to have a PhD in economics to know some of the fundamentals behind it. You don't just open up the money printer and think everything's just going to be okay. Okay, so we were right. The PhDs and all the economists were wrong. At least all the economists who work for the United States government and central banks worldwide were wrong. You were wrong. Okay, you were wrong. Admit it. And let's go on about our day. Now, this is episode 500. And 98 of Bitcoin and here on the 1st of June, 2022 at 10.21 a.m. Central Daylight Time, June 1st. Here it comes. Get ready for the repackaging of, well, you guessed it. It's, it's going to be Pride Month. All right. So every corporation under the sun is already gearing up to changing their logos to some kind of weird, you know, rainbow flag or something like that. You know, honestly, I don't give a shit. You, if, you want, if you want to be gay, go be gay. I just don't like it when people shove shit down my throat, but it's going to get shoved down my throat and everybody else's throat. So just get ready for the, you know, the month of Festivus or whatever. So what do we got on deck? Okay, first of all, I got a, a an announcement. This summer is going to be really, really weird for me. Okay, so things are going to get dicey for me real quick. <clears throat> I am moving out of Texas and I don't like it. Okay, don't think that I'm actually enjoying the thought of leaving Texas. However, I will be going to Eastern Washington State, which is not Seattle. It is not Tacoma. It is not the hotbed of communism that you 
people expect when they hear Washington. No, moving to literally on the border of Idaho and Washington. And when you get that far east in Washington, you know what you get? Gun-toting rednecks. They don't like people fucking with them either. So at least there's that. Also, there's this. It's not 105 degrees in the summer. And every once in a while, it actually rains. And I'll be a little bit closer to the mountains. Um, I don't know how I will be able to get back to Texas. And I'm not exactly sure uh, if I will. I I don't know. See, that's the thing. That's why this summer is going to be so dicey for me. So I'm asking you guys to say prayers that I don't, you know, find myself in a situation that is, uh, you know, that I can't retract from. And that, you know, send me some good vibes because I'm going to need it. I don't like the thought of leaving my home state. All right. I was born here. I was raised here. I like living here. But honestly, I am. I do kind of wonder what it would be like to not have a summer with bone crushing heat upon heat upon heat. Kind of looking forward to, you know, living someplace else for a little while. But you guys are going to be affected because moving three, which uh, on the road, this place that I'm moving to is three days away driving and I got to move a four bedroom house and it's just going to suck. And you know, so, uh, shows are going to be spotty. Uh, I, I apologize, but it is what it is. So just, you know, gird your loins now tower bank. Let's get into this one. Bitcoin magazine, Sean Amick, one of Panama's largest banks just became Bitcoin friendly. That name is tower bank a top 30 banking institution in Panama, and it just declared itself Bitcoin-friendly in an announcement on Twitter from Cristobal Piera, the executive director of the LATAM Blockchain Summit, the meetup where Tower Bank made the announcement. Following the announcement from Piera, Tower Bank's Twitter account confirmed the announcement by stating, quote, Tower Bank in Panama opens its doors to Bitcoiners and cryptocurrency investors and then followed up with a you guessed it, a laser-eyed meme of its headquarters. Okay, we probably need to stop doing that shit. A video released by the Blockchain Space Instagram account shows Tower Bank's vice president of product, Gabriel Campa, explaining the institution is studying Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. Just stick with Bitcoin, dude. Campa further explained, and we hope to have something soon to offer our customers, referring to product offerings for Bitcoin-based products. Campa continued by stating, quote, we want to work with you and know what we can create to help you be part of this new world. The process for customers of Tower Bank looking to begin their journey into Bitcoin is simple, according to Campa. When asked what documentation customers would need to provide in order to open a Bitcoin-friendly account, he replied, quote, they must only present the following requirements. Name, an ID card or a passport, a telephone number, an email, activity in which they are engaged, place of work, monthly income, and place of residence. Campa also explained that customers hoping to use these services will be required to provide the address that they want uh, to use for the sale and possession of Bitcoin. Quote, when customers receive funds as a result of the sale of cryptocurrencies, we need to know the address of the wallet with which the transaction was made. So, if you only have one address, you must inform us at the time of opening the account, and if you subsequently change your address, 
you must also inform us. Oh, this is getting bad quick. Currently, multiple reports suggest that Tower Bank will not offer direct Bitcoin to Bitcoin optionality at first, though Tower Bank has retweeted some information that suggests that the institution is working on providing it at a later date. What is this? Well, this is a bank in Panama that is scrambling to figure out how to fit into something that they don't really fit into. That's, that's my take. They don't understand it. They don't understand Bitcoin. They don't understand what their customers want, nor do they understand what their customers need. Okay, this is, it's, it's ridiculous, okay? You're going to provide them a wallet address to do all your Bitcoin banking. And if you change that address, you need to inform them? The answer is no, no. Just because Tower Bank is stepping into the ring doesn't mean that you should use them. In fact, you should not be using these people at all. Stay as far away from Tower Bank as you possibly can. Just because these idiots are saying that they're now Bitcoin friendly, I, they don't know what they're talking about. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what their customers want. They don't understand Bitcoin. Is this, is this the company that you want to go start doing Bitcoin business with? No, it's not. That's like buying a car from a car manufacturer that doesn't understand what a car is, how to build one, how to sell it, how to price it, and how to service it when it needs servicing. Hey, that, would you buy a car from a car company that doesn't know the first thing about cars? No, no, you won't. So don't use Tower Bank. Is it good for Bitcoin? Fuck it, everything's good for Bitcoin. But we got to start talking about Luna and the reboot. <clears throat> Luna reboot. Yes, it it rebooted. It certainly did and plummeted 70% just hours after its debut. Mm-hmm. Suja Samaraj is writing this one for Decrypt. Terraform Labs, early Saturday, launched a new version of the Terra blockchain, Terra 2.0, with freshly minted Luna tokens. Roughly 12 hours later, Luna, labeled Luna 2 on some exchanges, had shed almost 73% of its initial value trading as of this writing for $5.18. According to data compiled by CoinMarketCap, it peaked earlier at 20 bucks. So, okay, now, by the way, this, is an, this was written on May the 28th. I do believe, if I'm not mistaken, that Luna has recovered some of that, but it's a shit coin. And the fact that it almost immediately tanked should tell you it's what's going to happen to it in the future. But we'll go on. Luna tokens became available for trading at the Bybit cryptocurrency exchange about 10 minutes after its launch. And about an hour later, KuCoin also announced it was enabling Luna trading so that they could destroy people's lives because that's what these people do. And we'll get into one of my favorite examples of this bullshit here in a second. Currently, Luna is traded across seven different exchanges, Bybit, KuCoin, Kraken, MexC, OKK, BitTrue, and BingX, according to CoinMarketCap. None of the exchanges have enabled Luna's futures trading. Terra CEO Duquan was mostly quiet on Twitter today other than retweeting announcements from exchanges. Quote, Credibility is the ultimate currency, tweeted Binance CEO Shengpeng Zhao shortly after Terra 2.0 debuted. Binance was among those offering support for Terra's new blockchain, however. Many 
people still appear skeptical about to Terra 2.0 crypto YouTuber Ben Armstrong flat out said, don't buy Luna ever again. And that, by the way, that Ben Armstrong guy is BitBoy crypto. One of the biggest scammers in the space. He's actually right. Don't ever buy Luna again because you're going to get shit canned. But I guarantee you BitBoy crypto was on the Luna bandwagon the first time around. And he, along with a bunch of people are responsible for destroying lives of fellow human beings. And honestly, they should all rot in hell, but we've got better fish to fry. Other Twitter users said they were sticking by the original Luna since renamed Terra Classic and referred to by some as Luna Classic, which is down 29% over the past 24 hours. According to CoinMarketCap, Luna C peaked last month at $119 before a historic crash that wiped out tens of billions of dollars in value. Out of 1 billion new Luna tokens, only 21 million were airdropped on Saturday and added to the circulating supply, according to CoinMarketCap. The rest of the tokens will be airdropped in phases. Okay, that's 21 million is clearly a homage to Bitcoin, which was one of the traps that everybody, I think not everybody, but so many people fell into the trap that Duquan was some kind of, you know, Bitcoiner. He, he wasn't. He isn't. He's just another grifter, another scammer. And the whole issue of these exchanges listing this terrible, terrible item on their exchanges, I just, some of the, the there was a time when I had some respect for CZ and Jess Powell over at Kraken. And that's what we're going to do next. I want to I craw, crawl into this one a little bit. Joseph Hall is writing it for Cointelegraph. <clears throat> Kraken CEO defends listing Luna 2.0. Quote, Bitcoin traders just don't pay the bills. End quote before I even get into this. Jesse Powell is a piece of shit. I had some respect for him. I've, it, it's just, it's like my respect for any of these people looks like a shit coin chart. It just continuously gets eroded and eroded and eroded and eroded until it's virtually worth nothing. And after this asshole decided to go ahead and fuck the rest of humanity, Jesse Powell can eat a bag of dicks. I've lost my patience for this shit. I was talking to my sister about it. She was here for Memorial Day weekend. I was talking to her about it and she was like, you, you, you know, what is it about these people that, that are driving you crazy? And I'm like, they are destroying humanity all of it, even though they're doing it with little pieces, you know, just by little pieces at a time. It's not like Jesse Powell can completely destroy humanity, but he's playing his role in destroying humanity and the trust humans have for each other, which is at an all time low, by the way. And now by listing 2.0, this Luna bullshit, Jesse Powell has entered into the ranks of People like Richard Hartwin, I'm, I'm, I'm doing it. Jesse Powell at this point is no better than Richard Hartwin, Craig Wright, or the rest of these fucking assholes. If you can do this, if you can do this and sleep at night 
the majority of your humanity because you know what's going to happen to these people. They're going to get wrecked again and again and again. And you enable it and enable it and enable it and enable it. This is one of the reasons why, and I shit you not, I tweeted out a very unpopular opinion that BTC, Bitcoin itself, should be delisted from all exchanges. Not because it's Bitcoin's fault, but because the exchanges are enabling the death of financial stability for millions of people because the only way they can make money is on trading fees and the only way they can do that is to list shit coins. And the shit coins themselves are the things that are getting people wrecked. And people like Jesse Powell are making money off of it because you know what? Just buying Bitcoin doesn't pay the bills for Jesse. The crypto winter has emotions running high. Kraken CEO Jesse Powell came under fire for his defense of listing the new Luna, also known as Luna 2.0, which seeks to bring the original Luna, now known as Luna Classic and Terra USD, now known as Terra USD Classic, back from the dead. Respected names in the crypto in industry, such as Nick Carter of Castle Ventures, spoke out against the decision. While in a separate thread, Powell lashed out at short seller Jim Chanos, who had built a large short position against Coinbase, Kraken's biggest competitor. Carter simply tweeted why to the official Kraken Twitter account that announced the listing of the new Luna. The world's fourth largest crypto exchange, Kraken, lists over 160 cryptocurrencies. The list grows every month from Bitcoin to Filecoin to the second iteration of Luna, which currently sits at 164th on its price index. The first Terra collapse wiped out circa $50 billion, causing suicide hotlines to be pinned to the Terra subreddit while legal documents reveal Terraform Lab founder Du Quan liquidated two branches of an entire company just days before that crash. The project was then hard forked and relaunched with little to no recompense for impoverished investors. An airdrop, for example, did not go how the developers intended as tokens were unevenly distributed. The new Luna has since slid from highs of almost $20 to less than eight, despite a 90% spike in price driven by a Binance airdrop. Powell cites that client demand motivated the listing of Luna. Rohan Gray, an assistant professor of law at Willamette University, called Powell out for the move, arguing that eBay does not allow fraudsters to remain on the e-commerce platform, so why should crypto exchanges allow Terra a seat at the table? The comment was equipped to Powell's claim about Kraken, quote, we're a marketplace like eBay. BTC and BTC traders don't pay the bills, end quote. Powell has previously shown a decisive side to his operations, recently closing Kraken's global headquarters because San Francisco is not safe. However, when it comes to money and Kraken, quote, we try to be as asset agnostic as possible. Quote, fiat and most stocks are garbage, but where's the outrage? Revenue from these other coins pay for all the security, pro-BTC lobbying and marketing, end quote. In a separate Twitter thread, Kraken defended the future of crypto exchanges. In a Crypto Critics Corner podcast, Chanos, an American investment manager, detailed the short he had built up against Coinbase, America's largest crypto exchange. For Powell, there will be a paradigm shift over the next 10 years and crypto exchanges will come out as winners. Infighting and Twitter spats aside, 
For those seeking signal among the war of words, Powell shared his investment preference for picking Bitcoin, investing in exchanges, or both. He says, personally, I'd want to own both. Exchanges are sort of a bet on the whole space growing. Kraken did not immediately respond to Cointelegraph's request for comment. I'm sorry, but Jesse Powell can go eat a bag of dicks. And so can CZ and any of the other people that listed Luna 2.0. You know better. You knew better. You saw it coming. You watched it happen. You saw the aftermath. And what did you do? You did it again. You did it all over again. And you had, you have no excuse. You have no excuse whatsoever for listing this shit because you saw what's already occurred. And I, I, I just don't have the patience for these people anymore. If it even remotely looks like somebody is grifting, I, I just, I just lose all respect for them. And then they're going to have to actually prove that they weren't grifting for me to get my respect back for them. And I don't know how you do that. Jesse Powell, there's no, there's no coming back from this. There's just not. Fuck him. Fuck all his friends. Fuck his exchange. I hope it all burns in hell. Dogecoin creator, speaking of hell. <clears throat> Jackson Palmer, I wish it was the end of crypto, uh, but it's not. Yeah, because of people like Jesse Powell. Tim Hackey has it for Decrypt.co. Dogecoin co-creator Jackson Palmer has said in a new interview with Australian publication Crikey that he wishes it was the end of crypto, but it's not. And that increasingly people are doing nothing but making money off of doing nothing. It's kind of fucked us all up. <laughs> Quote, I honestly thought that crypto would implode a bit more quickly and people would learn their lessons, said Palmer. But increasingly in the past six months, I've seen a continued perseverance. You see these big people with big money getting involved and that means that it's not slowing down, end quote. He also shot down the idea that there might be a crypto winter around the corner saying, quote, I still see heaps of money being funneled in by crypto promoters. They're waiting for a fresh batch of fools to come in. This happens in cycles, end quote. Palmer denounced ICOs, DAOs, and NFTs as scams and called initial game offerings or IGOs the industry's latest swindle. Initial game offerings are similar to ICOs. Investors pre-purchase a blockchain game, NFTs, or in-game currencies. Despite the money flooding in, the Dogecoin creator still believes that cynicism towards crypto is growing. He recounted how between 2013 and 2020, he had surrounded himself with crypto skeptics, but one by one, they progressively drank the crypto Kool-Aid. However, he sees the enthusiasm ebbing now due to people losing money that you know, there's been an awakening, quote, I think there's going to need to be a crash. I think we're well overdue for some sort of pop, and I don't think it's going to be a big boom. It's going to be a lot more painful, and unfortunately, it will probably affect minorities and those at the lower end of the socioeconomic spectrum when it happens, end quote. Palmer also had a few words for the Dogecoin shilling Tesla CEO, Elon Musk, quote, he's a grifter. He sells a vision in hopes that he can one day deliver what he's promising, but he doesn't know that. He's just really good at pretending that he knows. My opinion on him and all billionaires is that I don't care much for them. 
Dogecoin was created by software programmers Jackson Palmer and Billy Marcus back in 2013 and intended the project to be a tongue-in-cheek satire of the then-emergent craze of minting altcoins that have little value except novelty symbolism. The cryptocurrency has since picked up its rabid fan base. However, when Bitcoin began its latest bull run at the end of 2020, they're known colloquially, colloquially as the Doge Army. The coin's avatar is an iconic chubby Shiba Inu dog whose face rose to prominence as a meme accompanied by adorable phrases in broken English like much wow and very impressed. Dogecoin became a small but often profitable pop culture phenomenon through Twitter as well. Celebrities like rapper Snoop Dogg, rocker Gene Simmons, and multi-billionaire Elon Musk have all had a few things to say about the cryptocurrency on the platform, often pumping its price. Last year, Jackson Palmer launched a scathing Twitter tirade against his former project, which he left in 2015. His incendiary criticism began in earnest from the second tweet in the thread, quote, after years of studying it, I believe the cryptocurrency is an inherently right-wing, hyper-capitalistic technology built primarily to amplify the wealth of its proponents through a combination of tax avoidance, diminished regulatory oversight, and artificially enforced scarcity. <laughs> there, okay, that's the end of the article. There's a lot of things that Jackson Palmer has right in this. I, I know you're probably screaming at me for saying that. It's you know, clearly an unpopular opinion. but He's right. The the all ninety nine point nine nine percent of of the cryptocurrency world is pure scam, pure grift, pure bullshit, and is just there to if for you know if I didn't know better, it's just there to get people financially destroyed. I wish it would die too, Jackson. I really do, but it's not going to. And he's right about that as well. It's not gonna happen. We're going to have to live with this kind of bullshit for God only knows how much, I don't know how much longer. And honestly, there's a very real possibility that we never get rid of it. And, uh, and I really think that that's sort of the way that it's going. We're never going to get rid of this shit. It's going to be with us forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Right. And people are going to get wrecked and wrecked and wrecked and wrecked and wrecked and wrecked. And all the Bitcoiners are going to be saying, see, I was right. See, I was right. See, I was right. See, I was right. But one of the things that Jackson doesn't get right here is that like many other people, he lumps Bitcoin into it all. And it's not. It's completely separate. Bitcoin is not a cryptocurrency. Bitcoin is Bitcoin. Cryptography is involved, yes, but it's not a crypto. That is the term that we should be using for the entire world of shit coins and the entire world of scammers like Jesse Powell and, and Richard Hart Wynn and Craig Wright. Those guys are cryptocurrency guys. True Bitcoiners know the difference. We can see the difference. We can taste it, smell it, and feel it. That's why we sleep at night because we're not invested in this bullshit. So, Say what you want about Jackson, but he's about 80% right here. Of course, he I don't know why he brought alt-right or right-wingers. and I mean, I know he's a, a, a raging, you know, lefty, but Jesus, you know, I, I think there's just as much left-hand scamming going on in the space as there is right-hand scamming going on in the space. That's why I just, I just don't, I don't deal with any of it. 
Bitcoin Magazine, Sean Amick. <clears throat> BitFarms has mined 431 Bitcoin in May. Now it holds $192 million in Bitcoin. BitFarms, a publicly traded Bitcoin mining company, released its production and mining update for May 2022, showing 431 Bitcoin mined worth about $16.6 million at time of writing. Quote, during May, daily average production increased to 13.9 Bitcoin per day, up 3% from 13.5 Bitcoin a day in April, said Emiliano Gradsky, CEO of BitFarms. Quote, we completed the build-out of Ledger facility with 7,400 miners generating approximately 740 petahashes per second. Uh, Ledger is now our single largest site with a production level nearly equivalent to BitFarm's entire hash rate at the end of the second quarter of 2020. BitFarms currently performs 3.4 exahashes per second as of May 31st, 2022, which helped drive a 6% increase from the previous month in total Bitcoin mined. Of the 431 Bitcoin mined last month, 429 were placed into custody. After this deposit, BitFarms currently holds 6,075 Bitcoin in custody, which is currently worth $192.5 million. Quote, the second phase of construction at the bunker is continuing and is expected to increase the site's capacity to 30 megawatts when completed. Grodsky explained, quote, with minor deliveries on schedule, we expect to have another solid month of growth as we build out our operational hash rate to our next goal of four exahashes per second by the end of the second quarter. The mining company also noted it had permanently reduced its De La Point mining site down to 18 megawatts as part of its relocation of resources to the ledger site in the city of Sherbrooke, Quebec. Currently, the operations of BitFarms are globally dispersed with seven industrial locations in Quebec, one in Paraguay, and one in Washington State. Of these mining sites, 99% are sustainably mined with hydropower and hold long-term power contracts. So there you go. Let's run our own numbers. Flammable liquids on fire. 1.2% to the upside for West Texas Intermediate, coming in at $116.03. Brent North Sea at $117.01 after a 1.3% rise. Natural gas, doing the thing that natural gas does, 5.8% to the upside to $8.62 per thousand cubic feet. And gasoline up 3 0.65% to just over $4.05. Gold down uh, to, what, no, 0.2%, $1,839. Silver is up two-thirds of a point. Platinum is down almost, no, down my ass, up two points. Copper is up almost a half a point, and palladium is down a little bit over half a point. Agricultural futures are mixed. Wheat getting hammered today, 5% to the downside, followed by corn, which is 4% to the downside. Coffee, however, is up 2.64%. Uh, Dow, mm, looks like it's going to be a bad day for the start of the month. Down almost a full point. That's a 302-point loss, honestly. I mean, that's like, uh, I think Dow is sitting at 32,669 S&P is down over a point, 
NASDAQ is down almost a full point and the S&P mini is down, get this one, almost two points. I guess Yellen's apology did not sit well. Now, real money, uh, $31,010 with 1.3 million BTC changing hands in the last 24 hours. That's uh, 55,000 BTC every hour on the hour changing hands with an average transaction value of five BTC, a median transaction value of 0.02 BTC or 625 bucks. Block times are high, 10 minutes and 45 seconds. 0.12 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis and 17 BTC taken in fees overall in the last 24 hour period. Uh, with hardly a move in hash rate, we are at 218.6 exahashes per second. Your shitcoin indicator is Dogecoin, 8.5 United States pennies. That should let you know what the rest of the shitcoin market is doing. Almost 20,000 transactions are waiting on 10 blocks to clear. We have a market cap of $586 billion, 4.82% of gold's entire market cap. And now we can purchase, if we so choose, with our one Bitcoin, 16.7 ounces of shiny metal rocks. Great. 19,055,267.18 BTC are in circulation at the time, and 3,911 of those are in Lightning Network, uh, valued at $120.3 million being run over 17,074 nodes with 83,860 payment channels that we can see. And 72.2% of all of it is being run over TORs associated 11,973 lightning nodes, or at least the ones that we know about. That's going to do it for vitals. I remember what Jackson Palmer was saying about all the big money coming in and cryptocurrency is going to not go away because of it. Well, he's probably talking about this thing. Goldman Sachs reportedly eyes crypto derivatives market with FTX integration. Yes, FTX, that's Sam Bankman Fried's uh, or Freed's thing. And he's a scumbag, uh, suck a bag of dicks kind of fellow himself. And Goldman Sachs is cozy enough right next to him. This one from Prussian Jaw, Cointelegraph. Goldman Sachs, one of leading investment banks in the United States, is reportedly trying to onboard some of its derivative products over there at FTX.US crypto derivatives offerings. Goldman Sachs has been in talks with FTX over regulatory and public listing help and aims to expand into offering crypto derivatives by leveraging some of its own derivatives tools and services, reported Barron's. FTX, the, or FTX.US, the U.S. subsidiary of global cryptocurrency exchange FTX, is currently seeking to offer brokerage services for its derivatives offerings. This would allow the crypto exchange to handle the collateral and margin requirements internally rather than depending on futures commission merchants. FTX.US President Brett Harrison said, quote, We have multiple FCMs already committed to integrating technologically with the exchange. There are several large ones that you can probably name, end quote. The United States Commodity Futures Trading Commission has sought public comments on the requested amendment from the crypto exchange. The chief regulatory body also believes that FTX's proposal warrants scrutiny as it would lead to a monopoly by large investment banks such as Goldman. According to people familiar with the matter, the integration of Goldman Sachs derivative services would offer trading futures directly, introducing clients 
and acting as an on-ramp to the exchange or providing capital top-ups for clients, yes, so that they can get further wrecked. FTX has argued that an integrated brokerage model would help in making the market more stable and free. In a recent roundtable discussion with the CFTC, CEO Sam Bankman-Fried fielded several questions about crypto derivatives and FTX's proposals to integrate its own FCM. Crypto derivatives trading has been a topic of debate for quite some time, with many European countries and even the United States prohibiting most of the crypto exchanges from offering leveraged trading. Binance has had to shut its derivatives offerings in several European countries post-regulatory interventions. On one hand, CFTC has called for greater scrutiny of FTX's amendment demand. On the other, FTX argues that an integrated brokerage model would help them to calculate margin requirements every 30 seconds rather than waiting until the next day to liquidate positions. Oh, yes, yeah, so you can wreck them faster. Uh, this is, okay, well, this is actually not good. This is really not good. Will we survive it? Of course we will. That's not the point. The point is, is that it's just this bullshit short to medium term crap that is going to do nothing but destroy people financially. It's, Goldman Sachs is going to play their part in destroying their fellow man. And this is why we hated Goldman Sachs to begin with, isn't it? And now they're going to do the same thing over there by cozying up to Sam Bankman Fried or Freed or whatever the fuck you call him. These people are not your friends. They don't like Bitcoin. They hate it and they will do anything that they can to destroy it. And what are they, how are they going about destroying it? Because they can't do it by adjusting its code. That's not going to work. They can't do it by, I don't know, getting all the miners. That's just never going to happen. Right? There's no way they can do it except psychologically. And I get the feeling that Goldman Sachs has no intention whatsoever of trying to do good for the industry. In fact, I think this is a play alongside Sam Bankman-Fried to destroy any hope that we have, except that it won't work. The only hope that it will destroy are the people that are into Dogecoin and name your shitcoin. Those are the people that are going to get destroyed again because they never learned their lesson ever. It just goes on and on and I've lost my patience for it. Sam Bankman fried can go eat a bag of dicks. Okay, now Russia is open to Bitcoin and crypto for international payments. Bitcoin Magazine's Sean Amick, the central bank of the Russian Federation is open to allowing the use of Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies for international payments according to a report from Reuters. Quote, in principle, we do not object to the use of cryptocurrency in international transactions, said first deputy government of the central bank, Sina Yudeva. However, the financial authorities' open-mindedness only stretches so far. He continued to explain, we still believe that the active use of cryptocurrency within the country, especially within Russia's financial infrastructure, creates great risks for citizens and users. We believe that in our country, those risks could be reasonably large, end quote. The continued Russian debate on not only the use of currencies like Bitcoin, but also the process of mining Bitcoin have become hot button topics over the last year. Just this January, the central bank proposed a blanket ban on Bitcoin mining. 
Russia's president took the opposing position of the central bank, stating, although, of course, we also have certain competitive advantages here, especially in the so-called mining, referring to the nation's natural climate and energy surpluses. The Russian government proposed a bill seeking to regulate Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. At the time, Andriy Lugovny, first deputy head of the Committee on Security and Anti-Corruption for the State Duma, the Federal Assembly of the Russian Federation, said, quote, when we talk about digital financial assets, about cryptocurrency, about the crypto market, we must understand that we are not just trying to amend certain bills. We are trying to regulate a new entity that the whole world is facing and we must determine our position, end quote. Russia's Ministry of Finance followed the government's proposal with a bill of its own, which intended to respect the Bitcoin ecosystem and empower those operating businesses within the space by assigning regulatory practices. Now, some members of the Russian Federation believe Bitcoin is only a matter of time. Denis Mantrov, Minister of Industry and Trade of the Russian Federation, offered his opinion on May the 18th, quote, The question is when it will happen, how it will happen, and how it's going to get regulated. Now, both the central bank and the government are actively engaged in this. All right, so Russia plodding along when it comes to Bitcoin. Uh, the problem is, is that they are, they are also correct about cryptocurrencies. The space is dangerous and it's going to get people wrecked. Now, I don't mind something being dangerous if it has some kind of utility, if you can get past the dangerous part. But cryptocurrency offers zero utility. The only utility here is Bitcoin. That's the only thing that matters. It's the only thing that matters. And if the Russian Federation had any sense at all, they would ban all cryptocurrencies except Bitcoin. Do I need the government to step in and do that for me? Not really, because I've already banned myself from buying shit coins. I don't do it. And I advise you to do the same not by shit coins. Computer scientists and academics pursue efforts to stop crypto lobbying in the U.S. So they're running to daddy trying to get uh, the government to do what they can't do by themselves. And that's convinced people not to buy shit coins. Cointelegraph Ezra Reguera is writing this one. <clears throat> Anti-crypto technology experts urge United States lawmakers to resist the influence of pro-crypto lobbying efforts. Bruce Shiner, a lecturer at Harvard, oh, I'm supposed to be impressed, reportedly said that blockchain advocates' claims are not true. He added that the technology is not secure and not really decentralized. According to Shiner, systems where you can lose your life savings when you forget your password is not a safe system. <laughs> Along with other computer scientists and academics, uh, Shiner signed a letter criticizing crypto and blockchain and sent it to United States lawmakers in Washington, D.C. Software developer Stephen Deal supports the idea and also signed the letter. Deal noted that the letter is an effort for counter-lobbying since crypto supporters only say what they want to the politicians. Within the letter, the signatories claim that cryptocurrencies are risky, flawed, and unproven digital financial instruments. The academics attempted to dissuade regulators from supporting the efforts of pro-crypto lobbyists to create a regulatory safe haven for crypto. The efforts to combat crypto lobbying came amid the growth of lobbyists representing crypto from 2018 to 2021, according to data from Public Citizen. Apart from lobbyists, the budget spent on crypto lobbying also grew from $2.2 million to $9 million during those years. 
Just yesterday, the United States Federal Reserve published a study that examined the potential effects of central bank digital currencies on the implementation of United States monetary policies. The study highlighted scenarios that could happen in the event if a CBDC were to be implemented. Meanwhile, analysts expressed varying opinions on the United States Federal Reserve's quantitative tightening that's scheduled to start on Wednesday. Pav Hundal, an executive at Swiftix Exchange, told Cointelegraph that this may have a negative impact on crypto markets. On the other hand, Nigel Green, CEO of DeVere Group, thinks that it may have minimal impact. Yeah, well, who knows what the hell's going on? I mean, Janet Yellen didn't even know that there was going to be inflation from money printing. Who could have possibly seen that coming? Yeah, it should, it should have been Janet Yellen. All right, so they're lobbying da Big Daddy. And this is going to continue. There's going to be an onslaught. And I think as these people keep screaming cryptocurrencies bad, I think what we should be doing is screaming that Bitcoin has nothing to do whatsoever with cryptocurrencies, because honestly, it doesn't. Somehow or another, it spawned all this bullshit, but, you know, it grew in the minds of the greedy. And the things that grow in the mind of the greedy are never instrumentations for the validity of furthering the human race. Right? It's just, it's, it's not there. There is nothing that Dogecoin offers anybody but supreme wreckage. It, it just doesn't. So our efforts, I think, should be to never use the term Bitcoin and cryptocurrency in the same sentence. If somebody says that Bitcoin is a cryptocurrency, we should immediately correct them and say it is not. It uses some forms of cryptography, yes, but in and of itself, it is not a cryptocurrency. Also, the, this Bruce Bruce Shiner thing, who's saying that uh, blockchain is not secure, clearly has not looked at Bitcoin. Now, the rest of them absolutely is correct about. And they're going to spin their wheels in Washington and some things are going to, you know, happen that are going to put, you know, a depression, depressive state on cryptocurrency industry. And that's good. But... Honestly, I don't give a shit because all I care about is Bitcoin and maybe even the Bank of England somehow or another is going to step into this because apparently the Bank of England is going to rescue collapsing stablecoin issuers if they are large enough. I guess that's a homage to Too Big to Fail, Tim Hackey, Decrypt. The Bank of England yesterday that it would intervene to direct and oversee collapsing stablecoins should the British Central Bank decide that a stablecoin issuer has reached systemic scale fail. The news came via a document prepared by the HM Treasury in response to a cryptocurrency consultation that began in January 2021 and concluded in April of this year. The British government proposed to amend the UK's financial market in infrastructure special administration regime to bring crypto within the jurisdiction of the British Central Bank while giving the institution the reins in the event of a collapsing stablecoin. One proposed amendment also includes broadening the legal definition of a payment system to include crypto, providing the central bank with regulatory powers under Part 5 of the 2009 Banking Act. The government clarified that the central bank will only step in during systemic collapses, which it defines as any deficiencies in a system's design or disruption to its operation that may threaten the stability of the United Kingdom's financial system 
or have significant consequences, consequences, I can't say it, consequences for businesses or other interests. The exact powers given to the central bank under this amended special administration regime are largely unclear, though the document mentions direction and oversight and provides an example. Quote, the Bank of England must approve the administrator's proposals from the outset and on a continuous basis and has powers to direct the administration to take or refrain from taking specified actions. The central bank will be required to consult the Financial Conduct Authority before requesting a special administration order. Oh my God, are you kidding me? The United States, like the United States, the British government has so far taken a largely hands-off approach to cryptocurrencies, but the market's undeniable growth since the 2021 bull run has gradually introduced the topic of regulation into Britain's political conversation. In April of 2021, the Bank of England and Her Majesty's Treasury launched a CBDC task force to explore the prospect of a central bank issued digital currency or CBDC. And that is essentially a state issued stablecoin. So in the Bank of England's case, the CBDC would be a digital pound sterling. Around 100 countries are currently exploring these types of shit coins, according to Kristalina Georgievina, managing director over at the IMF. In April of 2022, the British government also announced plans to become a crypto asset technology hub. So far, Westminster has taken baby steps to this end, but has confirmed that stable coins will be brought within regulation so as to have them used in the UK as a recognized form of payment. The government will issue an NFT this summer in collaboration with the Royal Mint as well. Last month, Sarah Pritchard, the executive director of FCA, told Bloomberg that British crypto regulations will need to take into account Terra's historic stablecoin collapse. Quote, innovation lasts if it works well, and clearly we've seen the consequences and some of the issues that can arise. Yeah, you sure did see that. You saw people lose their financial life. And the people behind that, all, all, I hope they all burn in hell. I don't need them dragged before a government council. I don't need them in prison. I just need the fact that they know that on their deathbed, they see their future before them. And it has a lot of flames involved. Now, finally, up here, how the federal government showed me the importance of Bitcoin. Jason Harris writing this one for Bitcoin Magazine. The feds seized my website, jerome.baker.com, during Operation Pipe Dreams, which was a federal effort to bring those of us selling bongs and pipes across state lines to justice, and it was 2003. There were not a lot of website seizures going on. The internet didn't really start in earnest until 1996. There wasn't a lot of regulation out there at first. Porn was big on the internet, still is. Then buying and selling drug paraphernalia caught on. During Operation Pipe Dreams, when 55 of us were arrested, including Tommy Chong, they seized my website. A QuickTime animated American flag was placed on my website. It was a pixelated graphic, and they made it so it looked like it was flying in the wind. It read, this website is property of the United States Department of Justice. It was the new equivalent of seizing my car or boat. Instead, they seized my website. I brought it bought it back from somebody for $700. It's like getting an old car back that got seized by the police. I feel incredibly blessed to be operating off of the original domain. 
Attorney General John Ashcroft stated at the time, quote, with the advent of the internet, the illegal drug paraphernalia industry has exploded. The drug paraphernalia business is now accessible in anyone's home with a computer and internet access. And in homes across America, we know that children and young adults are the fastest growing internet users. Quite simply, the illegal drug paraphernalia industry had invaded the homes of families across the country without their knowledge. Today, the Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Task Force has taken decisive steps to dismantle the illegal drug paraphernalia industry by attacking their physical, financial, and internet infrastructures, end quote. The experience led me early on to become interested in Bitcoin. I started taking Bitcoin when it was probably at 600 bucks. It was attractive to me because I could do business with different parts of the world and not be banned. Ask anyone in the cannabis industry. You're constantly having to deal with account closures, app closures, etc., etc. I know those in the Bitcoin industry experience the same. Bitcoin was also attractive to me because I enjoy the gray area quality of it. Being able to be part of the original Silk Road, being able to be attractive to people that wanted to buy things online without getting noticed, all go hand in hand with what I do, making bongs. <laughs> <laughs> I did have an inkling that Bitcoin price was going to explode, so I was promoting it as much as possible as a payment method on JeromeBaker.com. I don't blow glass anymore, unless for special purposes. For a time, one such special purpose was for customers who paid in Bitcoin. I'd blow them a slime bubbler for one Bitcoin. They would send Bitcoin to Jerome Baker Designs, public Bitcoin address, and email the shipping address. I still remember my last Bitcoin purchase for a custom piece. The price was $700. I don't see the same viability for other cryptocurrencies that I do with Bitcoin. I accept Bitcoin at my business. You can buy products with Bitcoin. Tesla accepted Bitcoin for a time, and I'm sure they will again. Ethereum and other altcoins are more about speculation. Bitcoin has volume and velocity, and it holds value. To me, Bitcoin is the ability to be a mover and a shaker and empowers anyone to hold a separate account with value and not have to worry about it being shut down. Bitcoin is a great currency for all markets, as we've seen. It not only lends itself well to high-risk industries, as had been a big part of its story, but also for nation-states looking to protect their own population from currency devaluation. Bitcoin is a biblical algorithm, and it has changed humanity forever. Okay. I had no idea that that, that drug paraphernalia on the internet was... As large as it was, as early as it was, but there you go. You learn something new every day. I do, however, remember Tommy Chong getting arrested, but he took the fall for his son is why Tommy Chong got arrested. He totally took the fall for his son. If he hadn't have done it, they would have thrown his son into prison. And Tommy Chong was much better able to deal with that scenario than his, uh, at the time, I think his son was a teenager. But that's going to do it for the morning roundup. Dad says jokes. My boss hates it when I shorten his name to Dick, especially when his name is Steve. That's right, Steve. Yeah, I kind of kind of can't hide that one, can you? All right, so again, uh, this summer is going to be very weird for me. Uh, you know, send prayers, good thoughts, happy feelings, positive energy, 
And you can send me your Bitcoin too, if you'd like to. You can do that through Podcasting 2.0 if you want to support the show, if you have to know. And you can do that with any one of the Podcasting 2.0 apps. Fountain app is getting better and better all the time. And inside that, you will find not only the ability to search for, follow, like, and subscribe to certain podcasts that are 2.0 enabled, but there will also be a lightning wallet. And when you fill that wallet with a little bit of Bitcoin, you can send me Satoshis while I stream you these dulcet tones. And they end up about two feet away from me on my lightning node that I am in control of. It is not by a third party. I own the keys. I got it all. It comes directly to me and that's how you can support it. And if you don't want to do that, and I understand some people just, they're not ready for it. I get it. If you still want to use dirty fiat, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Bitcoin and podcast, and you can get the show from there. And essentially it's an, it's a support site. I don't put out anything new for people that pay. I want to be able to keep everything that I do available to everyone all the time for whatever reason. Okay. I would like to get support for doing what I do. And I hope if you find it helpful, if you do like hearing the news on a daily basis that you will support me, but I just want to be able to keep it free. I want to keep it an audience supported podcast. And with all that said, I'm going to see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.